You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Today we're talking about transformation. The reality is is that there's there's many in our, our culture who desire, hunger, and crave transformation. They crave change, but few are willing to embrace change. In our culture, transformation and change, they, they go hand in hand, and I believe that our culture is so passionate about, about wanting to attain some type of change in our lives. I, I, I hear it every year. I, can I just like reveal to you, I am not looking forward to the upcoming like year to two years as we head towards another political year. And if you're excited for this, like there's something wrong with you. Like I, my goodness, I mean, it's like every other commercial on the radio. Like my kids know at this point when daddy slams the power button in the car on the radio, they're like, daddy, was that a political commercial? <laughs> yes, it was. But every commercial is, is trying to feed our culture hope in change. Every commercial is some politician out there, some political campaign that's promising change. Why? Because they recognize that there's a culture that is currently seeking and desiring change. I, I, I see so much and hear so much on, on different YouTube videos. There are these YouTube videos titled Motivation. And they have millions upon millions. One the other day was like in the 20, 30 million views on this video that was just a bunch of people who are giving motivational speeches, trying to amp people up. Why? So that people on their way to the gym routine that they're hoping to receive change can get motivated for change. Our culture very much so craves change. I think that our culture craves the idea of change. God's plan for our lives it revolves around change. As a matter of fact, I believe that the, the name Jesus and change are synonymous. Many here today, I believe there's many here today in the sanctuary that, that maybe you are one of those individuals who is right now desiring and craving a transformational change in your life, in the various areas of your life, maybe in your family lineage, maybe there are generational holds in your family's life. There's maybe a tendency for where family, you're like, man, I come from an angry family line because I've got a lot of Irish in my family. Anybody else? I know it might be shocking to many of you, but I'm Irish, not Italian. Shocker. Maybe you come from a family line where addiction is just a pattern, where it's generation after generation of alcoholism. Maybe you come from a family line where maybe there's just this track record where marriages in your family lineage, they tend to not make it. And I want to tell you here today that God wants to use you as that transformational difference in your family lineage line, where you can be the point of difference where everything changed from your generation on in your family's line. It can happen. You can be that point of difference. Many today are dealing with challenging circumstances that we just, we wish would change by themselves. Have you ever been guilty of praying that? Come on, where you don't, you don't pray to be the change. You're like, God, would you change it? But the reality is, is that maybe God wants to change your circumstances by changing you first. As a matter of fact, if you haven't caught on at this point in your relationship with Jesus, he often doesn't just wave a magic wand and change your circumstances. He often changes you. For those who are praying over family members, whatever the reason may be, broken marriages, addiction, whatever it may be, maybe the best way for your family to change is for you to change first. For those who are dealing with marital issues here today, Maybe the best way for your marriage to improve is for God to improve you first. For those in toxic work environments praying that God would change your job and get you out of there, maybe God wants to change you so that you will change the workplace. But often the hardest thing about change is, admit, is admitting that we have to. See, when God begins to change us, he doesn't just do minor modifications. Have you noticed that? God brings in a wrecking ball. 
You ever seen HGTV? How about Demo Day? Where they're not just taking little hammers, putting holes in the wall. Baby, they're bringing in chainsaws. And I just feel like that's what God does more often than not in our hearts and in our lives, is he's not just bringing in a little hammer on Demo Day. He's bringing in the wrecking ball. Why? Because God doesn't just lead us in minor behavioral modifications. He transforms our lives and our very being. But to experience healthy family, healthy marriages, improved workplaces, thriving relationships and and friendships, the point is this, is if we want to experience transformation, we must be open to change. You and I have to be open to change if you and I want to experience transformation. And again, more often than not, we as Americans, we love the idea of change. But whenever it comes time to admit that there's different areas in our lives that need change, meaning that we're wrong, we're very reluctant to change or embrace it. And the reality is this, is that at the moment of repentance, you and I committed ourselves to a life of transformational change. Because at that moment, we recognized something that his way is better and that we needed a savior. Jesus died not only to save you from hell, Jesus died so that you could live in righteousness. If you would turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it's where we're going to be spending the majority of our time here today together. So the question is, is like, how, how do we get there? How do we get to that point of transformational change where it's real? Recently, I was reading a great book from a, a pastor, Pastor Greg Rochelle, where he outlines in this book called The Power of Change, three mindsets that many Christians have when it comes to change. And two of these mindsets are wrong and one of them is right. So if you have your fill in the blanks, we're going to start going through some of the fill in the blanks this morning. The three mindsets of transformation. And again, one out of these three is correct and two are incorrect. There's first, there's the mistake of this mindset when it comes to transformation or or any kind of change. There's the God then me outlook. The God then me outlook. This is the false belief that God initiates change, but only brings us so far and then we have to do the rest of the change by ourselves according to our own power. Therefore, the power to change isn't on God, it's on us. We have to bear the weight of change. And we see symptoms and signs of this God-then-me false mindset whenever we hear statements like this, well, I'm just trying to control my temper. I'm just trying to control my temper. Or there's the other statement, I'm just trying to make my marriage better. I'm just trying to make my marriage better. And that's the problem is that we're trying by our own efforts. But on the opposite side of the spectrum, there's this other false mindset, God, not me. And this absolves us from any effort or responsibility. In other words, those who have the God, not me mindset, they just kind of wait for them to get mugged by the glory of God so that they'll change. (laughs) Like as soon as God punches me in the face, hallelujah, I'll get it right. And ultimately, this mindset, we aren't, with this mindset, we aren't putting any effort into change. We're just waiting for God to do all the work. But then there's this third biblical mindset, which is what we're going to be reading about today in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's the God through me mindset. And this is the place where spiritual transformation happens. It doesn't happen with God then me, God not me. Transformational change happens with the God through me outlook. This is where the Holy Spirit is working in and through our lives, and he is empowering us to overcome. He's empowering us to move forward. He's inspiring biblical thoughts, better thoughts, better perspectives. He's leading us, and we are simultaneously following and submitting and relying on his strength. God through me is ultimately about spiritual transformation, not just changing behaviors, Transformation in the life of a Christian begins and continues at a spiritual level. We're going to talk about this third biblical method of transformation and biblical mindset. And Paul discusses what spiritual transformation looks like in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where if you would turn with me to uh, verses 7 through 16. 
And as I mentioned last week, for the next couple of sermons, these are more expository sermons, meaning we're relying on one text. And so therefore, would you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word here this morning? As I mentioned last week, I'm typically a topical preacher, which means I like to see a topic and show how all throughout the word of God, he speaks to this topic. And if we were to stand every time we read scriptures in one of those sermons, then friend, you would need to be hydrated and bring sweatbands, okay? So today we're sticking to one text, which allows us to do this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 through 16. Now we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? And in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world. Can someone say amen? But the spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught to us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that your word would just begin to work in our lives and take root in such an unfathomable way. Lord, we thank you that you have plans, Lord Jesus, to lead us and empower us and guide us. And your plans are so incredible that we can't even imagine them. But thank you for sending us the Holy Spirit who reveals these incredible plans and leads us in them. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would just begin to lead us and guide us in a whole new way. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Throughout this passage, there is an evident mindset from Paul, and it is most certainly the God through me outlook. Paul here talks about wisdom. It's how he begins the, the chapter. He says, no, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for glory before time began. And he talks about how the Holy Spirit begins to lead us in this unfathomable wisdom. And I don't know if you've noticed it, but there is something attractive about those who have wisdom. Those who have it are often influential in their lives. Those that have wisdom are often easy to be around and they're easy to get along with. Wisdom often brings organization to chaos, and therefore those who operate in this biblical wisdom and discernment are often given this ability through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to take chaotic situations and bring them under control as the Holy Spirit enables them to do so. And I'm willing to bet that in our history, if you were to look at those who stood out in history, that those who stand out in history are have one of two things. Either they have a lot of wisdom or they stand out in history because they had none at all. <laughs> Think about it for a moment. And Paul says, this wisdom that you guys see in my life is given to me by God because without him, I am a natural fool. You see, we often make the mistake when we hear a sermon by a preacher that it's a reflection of the preacher's character, but make no mistake that preaching is a reflection of God's character. Nothing to do with the preacher. And that's what Paul is saying in this moment. He's saying this, these words of mine, they're not a reflection of my character. They're a reflection of God's character because without him, I'm just a fool. 
A God-through-me mindset recognizes that change must happen at the spiritual level. I want to say that again. A God-through-me mindset recognizes that change must happen at a spiritual level. Why? Because real transformation begins at the spiritual level. You'll see this back and forth comparison in 2 Corinthians verses 7 through 16 between a natural person and a spirit-filled person. A natural person as in they're naturally guided in life by their own intellect and their own power. And a spirit-filled person who's led and guided by the Holy Spirit who brings supernatural empowerment and understanding in life. Natural perspectives lack a spiritual reason for change. I want to say that again. Natural perspectives lack spiritual reasoning. Have you noticed that in our world that whenever it comes to the spiritual realities and battles of our day and age, that there seem to be so many who are oblivious to the spiritual side of the issues that we face as a nation? We're facing some demonic things in our nation. But to the natural mind that doesn't know Jesus, there's this misunderstanding that you see, we'll try and achieve change through behavioral modification. We will try as a nation to change, my goodness, thousands of policies in order to accomplish change without ever dealing with the spiritual realities of our heart. This comparison between spirit-led and natural tendencies is important for us to understand when it comes to experiencing transformation because Ultimately, our reason for change will reveal whether we are seeking spiritual transformation or natural behavioral modification. I want to explain this for a moment. I want to say this again. Our reason, meaning your motivation for change, the reason why you want to change, your reason will reveal to you whether it is born from a natural tendency or a spirit-filled tendency. Let me, let me provide some examples. Let's talk about change for a moment, naturally versus spiritually. It looks like this. If someone wants to get healthy from a natural perspective, their reason for getting healthy and fit and going to the gym will be something along the lines of wanting to impress others. I just want to look good with my summer bod. Nope. A natural reason tends to focus on natural things, but a spiritual reason will sound like something along the lines of this. I want to change and get healthy because my body is a temple for the Holy Spirit, and how I live my life is a reflection of Him. If we want to try and develop a stronger work ethic because we simply want to attain more money, that's often a natural mindset. But a spiritual one will recognize that we are called to display excellence in everything that we do, no matter what we are getting paid. And therefore, the Holy Spirit will begin to de develop character in your life as you attach spiritual reasons for change, or at least let Him attach those spiritual reasons for change. Some may say, you know what, I, I'm a shopaholic, and, and clicking that Amazon Prime button, I mean, they even take care of the shipping. One click, and it's there in 24 hours, which is freaky, by the way. So I'm just going to stop shopping, and then the next big sale happens, and here we go again. A spiritual reason would recognize that God calls us to financial stewardship, and self-control over finances often breeds self-control in other areas of your life. Some may say, I'm not going to spend so much time on my phone or on my computer because I just want to have more time available to do whatever I want. A spiritual reason would be saying, I'm going to stop spending time on my phone because I'm not able to be present and with people and love them like Jesus does when my face is in a screen. Many of us try and change naturally, 
by just changing our behaviors or seeking a reason to change because of reasons that are in front of us, physical, unseen. But friend, can I tell you that if you want to successfully experience God's transformation in your life, attach it to a biblical scriptural reason and he won't let you go. He'll be the accountability partner that you love and hate. You know what I'm talking about. Many of us try to change naturally bad behaviors, but never attach a spiritually mature biblical reason for change, which would deal with our heart. Paul is teaching us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 13 through 14, that the wisdom that he has and who he is as an apostle commissioned by Jesus himself isn't because of his own natural doing, but he is who he is because of the grace of God through him. Paul simply says, I am who I am because of my submission to the Spirit. Church, we need to begin at the spiritual level. In your heart, not only are we recognizing that change has to go beyond behavior and down to our heart, but the very reason why we want to change has to be attached to growing spiritually in Jesus. Change on a spiritual level will lead to real transformed behaviors. I want to say that again. Change on a spiritual level will lead to real transformed behaviors. Let's admit it, more often than not, we try and go the other way. We try and change our behavior and hope that it impacts our heart. And then we often come back and we're confused at why it didn't work. Well, because, friend, just like gardening, pulling weeds, you got to get it by the root, right? And so it is with any kind of change in our lives that if you and I just change our behavior, then we're still neglecting the root. And you know what's going to happen? It's going to grow and it's going to come right back. But when it's the other way around, when it's us recognizing that, that Jesus doesn't want to just change how I act, Jesus wants to change everything from inside out, that that's when you and I begin to attain uh, change. You see, I, I've met so many people who drive themselves crazy in life, trying to achieve real transformation, but it's like the carrot in front of the, the animal on a treadmill. You know what I'm talking about? where we're constantly getting motivated. I mean, come on, January. You know what happens in January? New Year's. Did you know that the average time with New Year's revolutions is less than three weeks? And time and time again, year after year, we come back frustrated. Why? Because we have yet to understand that change on a spiritual level leads to real transformed behaviors. Behaviors are the byproduct of a changed heart. If we try and change without addressing the heart, then you and I will end up in a cycle of frustration where we have that natural mindset that Paul is talking about, where things don't make sense, where even your church, church experience doesn't necessarily make sense because you have yet to dive into the Holy Spirit and be a spirit-filled, spirit-walking individual who sees life differently. Have you noticed that when you follow Jesus, you tend to see things the way that he does? which is always far better. Quick recap. If we want real transformation, it won't be by our own doing. It will happen through a God through me understanding. What is a God through me understanding? A God through me uh, understanding is when we have a mindset that recognizes that change has to happen on a spiritual level. Our heart has to change for transformation to be real. If our heart doesn't change, then all we will have is behaviors that will continually be repeated. The reason for our change will reveal if we are looking to change spiritually or naturally. Lord willing, you and I are on the side of the spectrum where we are looking to change spiritually. Ask the Holy Spirit for help and he will ensure that not only that there is a spiritual reason attached to your change, meaning when you stop and say, Holy Spirit, what, what do you want to change in my life? Not only will he provide the answer, but he will hold you accountable. Have you ever noticed that the Holy Spirit provides a tremendous amount of motivation? He will be that constant fuel to the fire that helps us keep moving forward. So then the question becomes, okay, but like practically, how? And I'm telling you, we could sit here all day long and debate theology and talk about like, 
how we receive and encounter transformational change. How does someone change spiritually? And this answer that I'm going to give for how to change spiritually is going to sound spiritual. Where do we start? Number one, where we start, draw near to Jesus. Draw near to Jesus. And that's the starting point for spiritual change and transformation. It's what happened in Paul's life. Paul has an encounter with Jesus. You see, I believe that you and I have been given an opportunity to encounter Jesus every single day. I believe that he pursues humanity relentlessly. And it's just a matter of if we will respond naturally or we will respond spiritually. Draw near to Jesus is a supernatural moment that you and I must be open to if we want to experience transformation. You see, the most heartbreaking reality about church is that many of us show up Sunday after Sunday after Sunday without ever expecting to encounter Jesus supernaturally. And yet the opportunity is given to us day after day after day, let alone Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. To draw near to Jesus, it means that you and I feel Jesus, not just spiritually, but emotionally. You see, sometimes I feel like we, we give emotions a bad rap in church. That wasn't spiritual, that was just emotions. Okay, did you know that God gave you emotions? And did you know that God knows how to communicate to what he's created? And if you feel something from Jesus touching you emotionally, I'm going to speak to some of the hard-hearted men here today, okay? It's okay. When you begin to feel that Holy Spirit prompting on your heart, I love the men that we have here at C3 because they understand that a real man is one whose heart is connected to God. And we need more men like that in our world. To draw near to Jesus means that you feel him spiritually, but you also feel him emotionally. Drawing near to Jesus means that all of a sudden you have intellectual thoughts that are far better than what you can produce on your own. To draw near to Jesus means that the shame and guilt of your past is replaced with faith and hope for your future. To draw near to Jesus means that you feel him move in and through your life in such a powerful way that all you can do is have the response that Paul does in 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians where you step back and you say, I can't explain what's happened in me other than it's God. And every time I submit to him in these promptings, it gets better and better. A God-through-me mindset desires intimacy with Jesus. That's what drawing near to Jesus is. It's an intimate moment. It's knowing Jesus on a personal level. It's learning to recognize his voice in your life so that you can lean into it rather than deny it. I cannot emphasize this enough. You know, Paul is talking about being spirit-led, hearing the spirit, being of a spiritual mindset. And I'm telling you, when you begin to lean into those promptings in your life, oh my word, it, it, it'll transform your life. I'll, I'll never forget, like, I, I'm, one of the things um, that I'm very cautious uh, about as a pastor is prophetic words. I believe that they need to be handled very, very, very responsibly. When you say, thus saith the Lord, and you attach his name to it, friend, did you know that if you said, thus saith the Lord in the Old Testament, and it was not the Lord, the penalty was death. And just because we don't receive death anymore does not mean that we shouldn't hold that name, his name, with responsibility. And I remember being, being over uh, on a missions trip in Ireland, and any prophetic word given with an Irish accent is anointed. I'm just kidding. Didn't he just talk about responsible prophetic word? Just, I'm sorry. 
But throughout the night, these prophetic words were being given, and, and they were kind of general, and that was awesome. That was great, but still couldn't really decipher. I'm like, okay, well, we'll see if it happens. But then there is this one voice, and I'm telling you, when, when you draw near to Jesus and you recognize his voice in your private life, you'll recognize his voice in your public life. And this individual came up and had no idea that during this time in my life, I was transitioning from youth ministry to coming here as a lead pastor. Never met this individual before, and he came up and he, he began to speak. And the first words out of his mouth is, as you transition ministries in this season of your life, And man, he just began to read my mail. And he began to prophesy over this church and said, in the years to come, you're going to see a supernatural growth like you haven't seen. And in three years, as a church, we went from 80 to now upwards of 330, 350. And he began to prophesy over your life and prophesy over this church. And friend, I, I just can't emphasize this point enough that when you draw near to Jesus and you hear his voice privately, you will recognize it when it is public. When he's using other people, you know, sometimes God uses people out, outside of you to speak. It, it, he'll, he'll even take elements to get a hold of your attention. For example, uh, walking up on a burning bush that isn't yet on fire but looks like it's on fire, that's kind of God speaking to you in an obvious way. <laughs> There's no missing that point. He'll use different people in your life. Have you ever had one of your children speak a prophetic word to you without even knowing it? Isn't that freaky? It's like whenever my, my three-year-old walked up to my wife after we had been trying for a few years to conceive and her walking up, mainly just uh, not even a year ago now, walking up to my wife's belly and touching it and saying, hey, baby brother, excuse me, said, honey, what do you mean? She, she said, mommy's pregnant. And I looked at Kylie and I said, excuse me? <laughs> You'll know when it's God. There's no question. Well, pastor, what if I miss it? Did you know that you can't screw up his plans and his will for your life? Yeah, you might take a, a, a path that he didn't intend for you. We've all been there. And, and, and here's a prophetic word for you. It's going to happen again. But thank God he reroutes us. Why? Because, friend, when you draw near to him, you meet him. And you hear his voice. And he speaks so clearly. We have a couple minutes, so I want to share just one more. It's how God, when you draw near to him and you learn his voice in your private life, I'm telling you, he shows up in your public life. When you have this spiritual mind, you can't see things naturally anymore. Like you can't, you can't any longer. Like I believe a coincidence is like going to McDonald's and it's like, hey, you ordered the same trashy burger as me. How about that? <laughs> but then, but then... There's this supernatural and this spiritual perspective where you show up to a situation and things happen that are just so undeniable. I, I, I mean, I, I heard a story from one pastor. He talked about how there was a time in his life, this was before computers, where he was entertaining buying a new car. And he goes on to, to say, he said, you know, I brought home a bunch of magazines for this car because, again, before internet... And he said, I, I had it laid out, and he said, I knew that the Lord spoke to my heart, and, and that the Lord said, it, it is not time for you to make this kind of financial decision right now. And so he said, okay, Lord, I'll yield to that. He said, but then I thought I would help the Lord out for a minute. <laughs> he goes on to say, I, I thought to myself, but maybe his answer isn't a no, it's a not yet. 
So I'm still going to schedule the appointment to go test drive the car so that someday when he says yes, I already know what it's like and I can get it. So he goes to the car lot and he shows up and he, he gets in this brand new car and the salesman had forgot something. So the salesman ran in and he had his, his toddler son with him in the back seat. And he said, my son started to sing this song. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. He said, it may have, may, might as well have been John the Baptist in the back seat. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And he said, I felt so much shame and guilt, but I didn't want to waste the car salesman's time. So we drove one time around the building and I got out and said, thank you for your time. When you've been given the spiritual mindset, first by knowing Jesus, and then secondly, by continuing to draw near, for, near to him, friend, you will have a spiritual mindset that Paul is talking about that is just undeniable, where he leads you differently than others, where you see things differently than others. And these experiences in him will lead to life, you living through him where he's empowering you and speaking to you. And as he uses you and empowers you and brings correction and, and begins to train you up in his word and you're matching this with experiences of following the Holy Spirit's guidance, you're changed on a spiritual level. To draw near to Jesus means to get in his presence and in his presence, all things are made new. All things are transformed. It's from his presence that you receive power through the Holy Spirit to experience change. Worship team, would you come? Paul says in verse 9 through 10, however it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has, has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. God has incredible things in store for your life, church, that have the potential to transform not just a few of your behaviors, but make you, listen to this, but make you unrecognizable to your past, where your past doesn't even recognize who you've become where you run into people from your past. I remember we had this individual from our last church named Don, and I, a great name, by the way. And um, <laughs> no, I'm not speaking to myself in the third person either, by the way. Really was an individual named Don, Don Bensel. And I remember Don, he owned this HVAC company, and the Lord had done such a transformational work in his life that whenever you would go to the work site and he would meet some of his workers from years past, they would say, oh man, hey, do you remember old Don? When you used to do and you fill in the blank. And they would smile and say, but then there's new Don. Your past becomes unrecognized, or your, excuse me, your past doesn't recognize who you are in Christ now. God has incredible things in store for your life, not just to change a few words that you say and a few things that you think, but change the essence of who you are into something far greater. Paul is talking about a supernatural encounter for those that love Jesus. He says, listen, if you love Jesus, you might as well posture yourself to encounter him. Where God reveals in this supernatural encounter through his word, through the Holy Spirit, those incredible things that Paul is talking about that you could never think of on your own. Could it be, church, brother in Christ or sister in Christ, could it be that God has been trying to change things in your life, but you just haven't been listening? That you haven't had the right mindset, that maybe your mindset's been a little bit more natural meaning the physical, what is seen. If you love Jesus, the reality is, is that you, as a son and daughter in Jesus Christ, have a birthright to ask him about the mysteries in life and in the world to be revealed. That that is your privilege. 
as a son and daughter of the king, you have a birthright to draw near to him and say, Lord, would you reveal in me a new way? Would you reveal in me the plans that you have? To draw near to Jesus is, is this. It's to block out all distractions. It's why we close our eyes every Sunday. To call on him and listen. And in this moment of drawing near, not only will the mysteries of this world and in your life and of future plans be revealed, but the Holy Spirit will provide to you strength for change to happen. Because change isn't going to happen on your own. Friend, I don't know if you've noticed, but we can't even find ourselves around our state without the help of a GPS more often than not. Let alone find ourselves through life. And His Holy Spirit will begin to reveal to you every step. And all you have to do is simply close your eyes and begin to call out to Him. And He shows up and you draw nearer. Whatever needs transformed in your life, the Holy Spirit through you on a spiritual level can change whatever it is. The same grace that saved you wants to transform you. I say that again. The same grace that saved you, that same grace wants to transform you. And Jesus didn't come to make us better, church. Jesus came to transform us. We're not talking about going from bad people to good people. We're talking about going from sinners to being Christ followers. Seek change on a spiritual level. Often we want so much in our life to change and we get exhausted by attempting change according to our own efforts. When all you and I have to do is simply block the world out, draw near to him and invite him into the spiritual areas of our life. And from that place, change begins. Would you stand with me? Let me ask you this. Ultimately, it's the question that all of us should be asking. What needs changed, transformed in your life? What needs changed in your life? Maybe you've been having a really frustrating time in the workplace. Maybe it's time that God changes the workplace through you. Maybe there's some things in your family's lineage that you're like, Pastor, this feels borderline like a generational curse. It is relative after relative with, and you fill in the blank. And now for such a time as this, God is calling you to be that point of difference where God started working through you as you submitted and yield to him. And your lineage is forever changed. What needs changed in your life here today? And what is your reason for it? Because if your reason is just something that is more natural, something online to, to look better, to feel better, whatever it may be, then friend, I believe that God is drawing you to a deeper well where he wants your reason for change to be attached to him. He wants your reason for change to look more like him. Would you bow your heads with me here today? And would you begin in your own words? Would you begin, and if you say, Pastor, like, I, I'm still not sure what needs change in my life, would you begin to just call on the Lord? God, what do you want to change in me? What new work do you want? And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I know what needs changed. Because I've got a lot of broken relationships over this tendency, this attitude, this behavior. And it's attached to something spiritual. I know what it is in my life that needs change. Would you begin to call on the Holy Spirit's empowerment? Because, friend, you're not going to overcome it according to your own power. You're just not.
the only way that you and I are ever going to achieve this kind of change is by calling on the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're looking for a place to start, you're like, Pastor, I want a starting point here today. I want to give you an opportunity to go back to step one, which is, which is having the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which is given to us the second that we become Christ followers, the second that we repent of our sins, we turn away from our sins and put our faith in Jesus. That is the point in which transformation begins. You see, your heart has been transformed. You've been redeemed at that moment, but then so begins the process of becoming more more like him. And if that's you here today, without anybody looking around, every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and there isn't a point in your life where you can remember giving your heart to Christ to start this transformational work and you want that to begin today, you're like, Pastor, I'm ready for this family lineage stuff to be corrected. I'm ready for the workplace to be changed. I'm ready for the world to be changed through me. But you can't remember a point in time when you've given your life to Christ in that first moment. I want to give you the opportunity here in a second. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to ask if that's you in just a moment, not yet, but I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. There's just something about putting our hands up and saying, here I am, Lord, that's me. And then you can put your hand right back down and we're just going to pray together. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. This is between you and God. And so if you're here today and you're like, you know what, I, I'm ready for this. I need to go back to step one and become a Christ follower. If that's you here today without anybody looking around, would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? I see those hands. You can put them right back down. Is there anybody else waiting just another moment? You say, I'm ready. I, like, I want, I'm tired of fake change. I'm tired of going through the, the vicious cycle of thinking that things are going to be different and then they go right back to being the same. It's the same addiction. It's the same attraction, whatever it may be. And pastor, I'm ready today to break out of the fake cycle and enter into this spiritual life that Paul is talking about. see that hand, you can put it right back down. Is there anybody else here today? You're ready for this cycle to stop because this cycle is weighing on your relationships, on your marriage, on your friendships, on the workplace, in your life as a whole. And today God wants, you, wants to use you to break the cycle. Is there anybody else waiting just another moment? Friend, I want to challenge you. I still feel like there's more here today, and that's between you and the Lord. But I, I cannot, I, I'm not trying to convince you here this morning. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But I just feel like there's someone here today that you need to know that there is hope and that God wants to change your life. Where the cycle that you've been in that you call life, the day-to-day -day repetitions, God wants to change that and make every day a new day, a fresh day full of hope and joy, becoming a new creation in him. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to put your faith in him. Now, church, would you just repeat after me and understand that there's nothing special about my words. It's all about your heart's intention. And if you truly mean to repent, to turn away from sin and pursue Jesus, that's what matters. So church, would you pray out loud with me so that we make sure that nobody feels like they're being singled out or anything, but we're in this together. Amen? Would you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, would you come into my life? Make me new. Help me to put my faith in you every day. Forgive me of my sins that have broken your heart. Forgive me of my sins that have held me back from transformation. I put my faith in you. Lead me in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give it up for those who put their faith in Jesus for the first time today? Amen, amen, amen. For everyone else, it's a new day. God wants to do a new work in your life. I hope that we understand how powerful that thought is. A new work, meaning that like he wants to have an encounter with you that outweighs any other encounter that you've had with him. And some of us, you're here today and you're like, Pastor, I've had some really intense moments with the Lord. He wants to take it a step deeper. 
Some of you, 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 you're here today, and I'm believing that as a result of what the Lord is doing in your life today, that you're going to read Scripture, you're going to see Scripture like you never have before, because He's working and giving you His mind here today. Church, I want to challenge you and encourage you. If we want to be changed people, transformed people, we have got to continue to draw near to Jesus. And drawing near to Jesus, thank God, is not a complicated process. It's just a matter of calling on his name and inviting him into those areas of your heart and your life to work and move. Rely on his strength in the days to come. Amen? Would you bow your heads one more time as we close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that each and every day that we would draw from the well of your strength, which is overflowing day in and day out, and never on our own. God, may our reasons for change not be revolved around us superficially, but may our reasons for change always be rooted in you and in your word and in your Holy Spirit revelation. God, may the reasons for change be attached to those depths of our heart. And Lord, I pray and look forward to the years to come for those testimonies to come forward of saying, man, people at my work, they're saying, I remember the old you, but now there's this new you. And may those moments be gateways to share what Jesus has done not just for us, but giving others hope and leading others to Jesus. Lord, would you not just uh, come into our hearts with a hammer. We recognize that you're bringing a wrecking ball to some of the strongholds in our lives today. So may we submit to that and yield to that and be obedient to the Spirit's work in our life. In Jesus' precious and holy name. And everybody said, and if you believe God's going to be doing something supernatural in the days and weeks and months and years to come, would you give him one more shout of praise, not just for what he's done, but what he's going to do? Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go with the Lord. He's going with you. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.